I, I feel like with all the Lord's done today, it kind of tends to lead into the message the Lord had given me for this morning. And I'm down here with you. I'm going to try to just share from my heart that that he's burdened my spirit with. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about the need for a last day outpouring. The need for a last day outpouring. Grab your Bibles, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 14, but Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that, somebody say this is that, <laughs> which, is, which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. It shall come to pass that Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God among you by miracles, sorry, and wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you, you, you yourselves know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Go with me to verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. With many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I want you to look with me, if you would, back. Back to verse number 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for being in this place today. This old gym. We've been able to gather in here, worship you, sing of your goodness, feel your presence, gather around altars, 
But Lord, we need you now. We need you to drive this home in our spirits by your word, by a revelation that will come that will truly be transformational. Lord, I know I can't speak this without the anointing. I pray you'll anoint me. Fill my mouth in this moment. Guide and direct my thoughts. I pray you help me. Help me not to say one word more than I should, nor one word less. Speak through me in this hour, and Lord, we'll give you praise, glory, and honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. The need for a last day outpouring. This week, there's a lot that's happened in our nation, a lot that's taken place, and we're going to talk about it here in just a moment. But last week, the Lord gave us the message, is the glory gone? Thankful through that that we came to the determination that the glory is not gone. God's still working and moving, and he's still sending his glory. He's still pouring his spirit out, and we're so thankful. When we read here uh, in, in the book of Acts chapter 2, one of the greatest tragedies that many of them had ever experienced had just taken place. That was the crucifixion of Jesus followed by one of the greatest triumphs that they had ever experienced, Brother Jared, and that was the resurrection of Jesus. But you see, Jesus was leaving. Jesus was actually departing. He had ascended, and, and, and nearly 50 days from the, the resurrection, we find on the day of Pentecost something took place. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost was upon the believers, and it was with a purpose. It was to prepare the church for the day and hour that they lived in. It was to prepare the church. Matter of fact, Peter's words that he used was save yourself from this untoward generation. What a, what a way to put it, an untoward generation. That word untoward, this is what it means, crooked. It means perverse, and it means wicked. He was saying, save yourselves from this perverse generation, this wicked generation, this crooked generation. Wednesday night we dealt in, at, at length with where we're at right now and talked about this generation. If you're missing Wednesday nights, I'm not blowing smoke at you. I'm telling you the truth. You're missing a blessing. I want to encourage you to be here on Wednesday nights if at all possible. But here as we read in this passage, we, we fast forward through it oftentimes and we overlook the severity. We overlook the importance. Many just label it as the, the Pentecost chapter. And that's for the Pentecostal churches. But I want to tell you something. This is for every born-again believer. We are living in evil days. We are living in wicked days. We're living in a day and an hour such as the planet earth has never seen before. Though Satan himself has been walking this planet for thousands of years, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Though we can look back from the Tower of Babel to the time of Noah and everything from then to now, there's all since the Garden of Eden, sin has run rampant and wickedness has been on every turn. But for us as a nation, we've never never seen the day nor the hour that we are in in this moment today. 
The reality is this, and the old saying is the, the only uh, way that evil will triumph is for good men to do nothing. That quote is actually inaccurate. I've got the actual one written up there. That's not what the man actually said, but that is the gist of it. But I want to disagree with it because this is the reality. Good men will never overcome evil. Reality is this is the only way to win a spiritual battle and to overcome evil is by godly men. Did you hear me? And not just godly men, but godly women. The reality today, and I want you to go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Turn there with me. The Bible says in verse number 1 that the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Help me, Holy Ghost. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Understand, he's talking about the church. He's talking about a day that would come that the church would no longer be as strong as she used to be, that there would be some that would depart from the faith, giving heed to what, the, what Paul calls seducing spirits. What is a seducing spirit? It is a deceiving spirit, a spirit that manipulates, a spirit that, that lead, misleads and misguides. And he said it would be a deceiving spirit, a demonic spirit, a, a, a spirit that would mislead many. It's a sad reality that there are many that name the name of Christ that are following the wrong spirit. They're not following the Holy Spirit. Many have allowed themselves to follow the wrong spirit and then he said that they would depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils teachings and instructions of demons now many today would say that's not me preacher and I, I'm asking the Holy Ghost to really empower me and help me in this moment because I, I don't want to come across in the wrong way but I, I this week as I was praying and seeking the Lord I felt him saying to me, Brother Mo, that I've got to preach this. I've got to declare this because you need to hear it and you need to know. And that's why we've told you before that it does matter where you go to church. It does matter where you call church. Now understand, we by no means are saying that we are elite, that we're it. But I am saying that not every church that is called a Christian church is a church that is pleasing unto God. I, and I, I prepared my myself for no amens there, but I've got to tell you the truth today. There are many churches that the problem is the preacher in the pulpit. Are you hearing me? There are many churches that the problem is the people that are in the pew. There are many churches that the problem is the, the board members that sit around the boardroom table, but there are many churches that have become so religious. There are many churches that the Holy Ghost is nowhere to be found. They are D E double D dead. Are you hearing me? There are many churches today that though they may name the name of Christ, the Lord is not there. Listen, I don't care how much stained glass you got, it's not going to bring the Holy Ghost in. I don't care how padded your pews may be, it's not going to bring the Holy Ghost in. I don't care how well your air conditioners can cool it down to a comfortable 72 degrees, it's not going to 
going to bring the Holy Ghost in. Are you hearing me? I don't care how good your singing is or your preaching is. It's not going to bring the Holy Ghost in. And the reality is there are far too many churches that have been given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The preachers are living ungodly. The people are living ungodly. And the Holy Ghost is nowhere to be found. We talk about wanting revival. Revival starts with repentance. Revival starts with us turning our hearts back unto the Lord from the pulpit to the pew. I know it's not a popular message, but can I declare it today? We need a last day outpouring of the Holy Ghost like we've never had before, and it needs to start in some pulpits. Some dead preachers either need to get filled with the Holy Ghost or lay it down and give it to somebody else because a dead preacher births a dead church and there's some dead people in the congregation that need to quit pushing against their preachers and working against their preachers and being backbiters and gossipers and I'm mad because they didn't sing my song. I'm mad because they didn't ask me to play the piano. I'm mad because I didn't get to vote on the color of the carpet. You know what that is? That's a bunch of religious mess that has plagued the church long enough. We need a revival that folks to come and say all I know is I need a move of God in my life. Church is full of folks that their God is ministry. That their God is their position of ministry. You strip them of their position and see how faithful they'll be to church. You, you tell them, nope, I want you to take a break for about three months. You need to get rekindled and you need to get refreshed. Take a break for about three months. See how faithful they'll be to the house of God. I'm going to tell you, that's why whenever we, the time frame that we weren't pastoring, I, you know, some would just say, well, I'm just going to take a 12-month a sabbatical. I'm not against sabbaticals. I'm not against preachers having time off. I believe in times of refreshing. I believe we've got to have times and breaks. I, I, I do agree with that, but I'm going to tell you something. I, I can't imagine being gone from you for 30 days. Now maybe I've not been in the ministry quite as long as others. Maybe I've not faced quite what others have faced but I'm going to tell you something. I can't imagine being gone so long from you that that, uh, that that would be a good thing. Why? Because God called me here to be your shepherd and I'm not a hireling and he's given me a vision for what he wants to do. Not, not in a facility but in a people. He's given me a vision for what he wants. And I don't, I'm not Maybe I shouldn't say nothing about those preachers. Maybe it's what it takes for them to survive. But what I'm concerned about is preachers that are getting their messages off the Internet rather than on their knees before God. Preachers that it's all about the paycheck. Preachers that it's all about them having control. and Preachers that it's all about them. And I want to tell you today that that's a huge problem in our nation today. God wants to send a fire to the pulpit again and there can be a fire in the pew. Preachers that are hateful, selfish, jealous. How can we ever expect to win anybody when preachers are treating people like dogs? You hearing me? I'll tell you something. I, I'm not a perfect man. I'm not a perfect pastor by no means, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm no better than you are. 
And, and if I'm not following Christ, I need to lay this Bible down and let somebody take it up and preach to you. But the last time I checked, this Bible says, how can man say he loves God if he hates his brother? And there's some preachers out there that need to read. I don't know where this is coming from. This was not in my notes. But they need to revisit that passage. Why? Because what's coming out of them is not the love of God. I don't care who talked about you. I don't care who did you wrong. I've been there. I've been there where they've lied on me. They've mistreated me. I've been there where they called the district and caused an investigation where the district had to come in and sit down with me and a board member. And when the dust cleared, when everything was over, we walked out of there knowing the Holy Ghost was our justifier and righteousness prevailed. But let me tell you something. I didn't harbor bitterness in my heart or hatred in my when I've seen that man. I didn't run away from him. I didn't ignore him. I didn't go the other direction. You know what I did? I went straight to him, hugged him, said, I love you, brother. Why? Because if I'm going to make it to heaven, I got to live what I preach. Church people can be some of the most hateful folks. This side won't speak to this side. This side's mad at both of them. If somebody comes down to pray from this section, just these people come pray for them. Somebody comes down to pray from this. Pastor Donnie, am I telling the truth? Just these people come down and pray for them. They're mad at the preacher, so they hold their bulletins up in front of their face while the preacher's preaching. Can't even love each other. Can't even go to church and love each other. No wonder the Lord won't move. No wonder nobody's getting saved. Oh, but we're running, we're running 10 million in our morning service, and we collected a billion dollars on the, That's about how it sounds when some of them are evangelistically speaking. Listen to me. I don't care how many you're running, I don't care how much money you're gathering. The only numbers that count is how many folks are getting saved in the altar. How, oh, how many are being filled with the Holy Ghost? How many's being baptized? Listen to me. We're not in an old gym because the Lord says I don't have any other place for you he's brought us here for a reason and a purpose and I believe he wants to do great things right here speaking lies and hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron do you know why a lot of folks say they don't want to go to church Hypocrites. Hypocrites. I've told you what I tell them. I'd rather go to church with a few of them than to hell with all of them. Amen. See, this is the thing, Brother Stephen. You better be what you say you are. You better live it day in and day out. Listen. Your family knows if you're a hypocrite. People that live with you, they know. People that put up with your stanky breath in the morning, they know. They know if you're true blue through and through. Are you hearing me? You want to know if somebody's living for the Lord, ask their children. 
You know, I, I don't think mama, I don't, I don't think daddy, I don't really because of what, I, I'm, I'm not sure, pastor, because, you know, what I'm seeing out of them, I mean, they're cussing and, and I saw daddy slip some, look like some kind of purple bag with a bottle in it in his, under his seat of his truck and, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. They know. Are you hearing me? They know. When your home's filled with strife and your home's filled with malice and your, your home is nothing but a big old pot of frustration that all it takes for it to surface is for somebody to stir it any given day of the week, friend, you need to back up and ask yourself, are you living for the Lord wholeheartedly? Have you turned to God with every ounce of your being? Or are you finding yourself living hypocritical? You can come to church on Sunday and lift your hands and think you can on Monday, you can cuss everybody out. Listen to me, it don't work that way. If cuss is in you, cuss is going to come out of you. But I'm a whole heart. Matter of fact, the word says that sweet and bitter water does not flow from the same fountain. I, this is what I believe. When somebody truly gets saved, truly gets born again, truly gets converted, they lay their hearts on that altar and there's a transformation that takes place from the, to the very depths of their soul. They quit talking like they used to. They quit looking like they used to. They don't do what they used to do. They don't go where they used to go. There is a change inside of their heart. How do you know that, preacher? Well, Paul put it this way. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Living in a day and an age that the church has got to get it together. There's a crisis in our nation. Did you hear me? There's a crisis in our nation, and the church has the answer. But if the church is asleep, how are we ever going to reach somebody? If the church is stagnant, how do we ever expect them to want what we've got? If the church is lukewarm, how are we ever going to make a difference in anybody? If the church is void of the power of God, void of the glory of God, how can we ever expect to make a difference in anybody's life? They don't want what you've got when you're dead. Crisis. The last days. You know, I'm out of time. I wrote down some things. The crisis in America. Crisis in America, child abuse, right on time, human trafficking, sex trafficking, pedophilia, abortion, we'll come back to that one, drug use, alcohol use, homosexuality, Transgender, sexual deviance, which is a result, a result of idol worship and the influence of demonic powers. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about rape, talking about incest, talking about adultery, talking about fornication, premarital sex amongst teenagers. Is it all right if we call it out today? 
can't pass out Bibles in the school, their school camp, but they can pass out condoms. I know that's a word you don't want to hurt in, in church, but it's time we take the swingers. What in the world? I thought, I thought, I've all, I always love to go to the playground, get on the swings, preach. That's not what we're talking about. I hope that's what you thought about when I said that. That would show just your innocent mind. But we're living in a day and an age that husbands and wives have decided they're going to just get together and swap. Try this one out, try that one out. That's, that's, oh, well, that, man, that, whoo, that must be really bad in Atlanta. No, I'm talking about Holmes County. I'm talking about where you live. Why is this, preacher? It's because of the evil of the day. It's because of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And it's because the church is not filled with the power of God enough that when those folks do darken the door, they feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Oh, but preacher, I, I just don't really feel convicted of that. I have heard that. Well, I just don't feel convicted. Let me tell you something. Let, 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 let me just serve this up to you. There is a difference in Holy Ghost conviction over things that oftentimes may not be sinful. But the Lord has said, don't partake in it. Because he's taking you to another level. He's dealing with you about, as a pastor, there's things that I don't know. Let me just give you one example. One of my convictions is if I'm, if I'm out swimming, whether it's with my family or with friends or, or whoever, I don't take my shirt off. And I told my, my, I think it was my daughter-in-law this past week, that ever since I was called to preach, when I go swimming, my shirt is on. That is a, whole, that is a conviction in my life. Do I think that I would be sinning if I took my shirt off? If the Holy Ghost has truly convicted me of it, I believe I would be disobeying what God told me to do. But I can't find that in the Word of God where it says, When thou bathest, keep thy shirt on. But there are other things that we, we think, well, God hasn't convicted me of it when it's in His Word. There's, there's things that we excuse and say, well, I just don't tell. If, if, if it's wrong, the Lord will read his word. If this word calls it sin, it's sin. If it has anything to do with your life, and, it, and this word says abstain from the very appearance of evil. This word says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. This word deals with things that we need to understand has nothing to do with Holy Ghost conviction. And there's going to be folks that will stand before God one day that will use that excuse. Well, you didn't convict me. And God's going to, I don't know that he'll say a word back to you. But if he did, it would be I wrote a letter to you with the blood of my my son, you should have read it. Well, I just don't feel convicted. Sad. It's seducing spirits and doctrines of devils is what it is. The devil has convinced some because you don't feel convicted. This word says it's wrong, it's wrong. Well, I don't know about, no, if this word says it's wrong, it's wrong. You hear me? That's what he said. Your conscience is seared with a hot iron. I've never used a branding iron. Some of you may have. But it sizzles when it's applied, and it, and it, it kills and numbs and deads, uh, kills the nerves. That's what's happened to some folks. The conscience has been seared, that moral consciousness. But Tim, come back up here for me if you would. 
Listen. This morning about 6 o'clock in the United States of America, up to about 6 o'clock this morning, since 1973, there have been 64,225,115 abortions. Let me rephrase that for you. Since 1973, there have been 64,225,115 babies that have died in the womb. Does that kind of change how it feels? Generations. I'm going to tell you something. God has given us almost 50 years of grace. Almost 50 years. You, you read in the Old Testament and you'll find when the children of Israel begin to sacrifice the children, when they begin to take the children and burn them in the fire, when all of that happened, the judgment of God came. And it was only lifted whenever kings rose to the occasion that said, we're not doing that anymore. I thank God for a Supreme Court this past week that despite protests, despite threats, and even an assassination attempt, a Supreme Court that still had the backbone enough to say, we're going to vote on this, and they voted to overturn Roe versus Wade. We need to thank God for that. And, and let, let, me just, let me just make a few, a few remarks on that. Because I've watched the protest and I've watched everything that's being said. And, 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 and please understand, so much of it, I've, just, I've sat there and argued back because I'm like, there's such ignorance. Because what the Supreme Court determined was that it was not a constitutional right given by the United, the United States government. They kicked it back to the states saying it will be the states that decide this. And I listened to some. I watched as the protest. I mean, it was bad. And, and, and I sat there thinking, all, and the majority of it that I saw and heard from was women. And they just, they kept saying, you know, my body, my choice. My body, my choice. Two things about that. First of all, I agree with you that it is your body. And I agree with you that it is your choice. But it was your choice before you laid in the bed with that man. See, it's almost like the women were arguing for the freedom to be sexually immoral with whoever, wherever, whenever. And, and they hang their hat on this, and I may lose some of you with this, but that's okay. They hang their hat on this, my body, my choice. But listen to me, at the very moment of conception, what is created from the two that come together, as far without me getting too technical, from the two that come together, what is created becomes a, a separate being altogether. And that being within that womb is not the mama's body. Even though that mama is connected, God did the, the design of the Lord, connected that mama under that baby right in the womb in a beautiful way. But listen to me. We must recognize, we must make the stand, and we must say it clearly that we love and there's nobody that feels this way, that we, we, we don't hate anybody, we're not against anybody, but this is the reality. If you get pregnant, there is...
is a baby inside of you that has a soul. And, and, and abortion doesn't do away with that baby. This is the reality. Because if that baby is aborted, heaven just gained another one. And there's going to come a day when you and I are going to be in heaven and we're going to look on a 64 million uh, populated area that is going to be the babies of America that were aborted. And they will be, I'm telling you, uh, there's going to come a day. You better know that the angels of heaven are welcoming those little babies that come on in, baby. Well, you may not have been wanted on earth, but you're wanted in heaven. Aren't you glad today that there's still that promise? Heard pastors and this one that I just didn't really like the spirit that it was done in. It was it, it, what he said was right, but I can't tell you how it made me feel. It was just an exhilarating feeling when I heard that. I was like, oh my goodness. But it does create a greater need. It it creates a, a moment that the church must rise. Listen, listen, there's no way to get around abortion is murder. There is no way to get around that. Do you hear me? We believe this Bible. That's our stand. There's no reason to murder, period. But there's a need that we know is going to be there. And, of course, in the state of Florida, there is still, abortion is still legal at this point. But there will come a day in the future, especially in our area, if it is, if it is deemed illegal within our state, there's going to be some little mama that's pregnant that doesn't want her baby. And there's going to be a need for within the church for the church to rise to the occasion. I'm not talking about a dead, stagnant, lukewarm church. But I'm talking about a Holy Ghost-filled church that will rise to the occasion. Now, it can't just be just one church. It's going to have to be many churches. But me and Sister Amy already talking about it this week. I can't say too much about it because she wants to be the one to present it to you. But I can tell you that already in the works is the heart. We don't know how we will do it, how we will accomplish it, only by the Holy Spirit. But we're already looking at the fact that we need a pregnancy crisis ministry within Cross Point Church, that we need, we need somehow to be prepared and ready that when some little mama is out there and she feels like she doesn't need, she doesn't want this baby, that A, we're able, able to support her and to counsel her through it where she will say, I can do it, I can make it, I want to keep this child or B, we can connect her with the connections we already have and be able to help her find a loving family somewhere that is wanting and waiting for a child. Listen to me and understand, friends. We Listen, if you're not for a adoption something's wrong because we are all we've all been adopted into the kingdom of God we are all heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ but listen to me I don't want nobody wagging their long finger in our face saying you don't need to be rejoicing because because now it's going to cause women to have babies that they don't listen to me that's been going on for centuries but the reality is this we have the answer 
and his name is Jesus. And maybe there's a little girl out there, a little lady out there that's been living in sin. She didn't mean to get pregnant, but all of a sudden she comes to a ministry that loves her and cares about her. She receives Jesus as her Lord and Savior. She gets filled with the Holy Ghost, and now she stands up and says, I can keep my baby. I can do this. I can make it. She survives through it all. We were ready this week. We thought we had a, a little one coming our way, didn't we? A couple of them. I, I feel too old, Brother Blaine, to start all over. <laughs> it's hard, ain't it? <laughs> but my, my, how the Lord blesses. As we close this service out today, can I tell you another crisis in America? Dead churches. Dead preachers in the pulpit. Dead Christians in the pew. Formality driven, seeker friendly, ritualistic, hypocritical, pagan influenced, void of God's presence. Jesus called them whited sepulchers. Outside is painted pretty, but the inside is full of dead men's bones. I know we've already been in these altars together, so I'm not going to wear you out today, but I guess I'm just asking you, do you see the need for a last day outpouring? Do you see the need for a move of the Holy Spirit do you an outpouring of God upon us as a church see today as I was praying this morning early I wanted to appeal to all those of you that have been in your ch in church all your life If you've been going to a Pentecostal church five years or more, would you raise your hand? Okay, put your hands down. Ten years or more, raise your hand. Okay, 15 years or more, raise your hand. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. 55, no 60s, 60, who, 60, Paul, I want you to think about the most powerful services you've ever been in, the greatest moves of God you've ever experienced, think about it, the most incredible outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. Do you want to see that again? Do you want to experience that again in your life, in your heart? 
Do you want to experience that again? Because there's a need. Pastor Hayden, there's a need for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our young people. Where's Grace? Sing, I want our singers. I want y'all to sing that song y'all was singing a minute ago. Singing a minute ago. That 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 I speak revival. I can't remember the words of it. I want to talk real quick before we close to parents that have teenagers. Listen to me. If it had not been for a Holy Ghost-filled youth group, I would not be standing here today. Gina, if it hadn't been for a bunch of you young folks that I come to be a part of that were on fire for the Lord, that stirred something in me, I would not be here today. Fausti, if you hadn't got up there and led them songs like you did when I was a teenager and led us into the presence of the Lord, I wouldn't be here today. But here we are. And for whatever reason, and I'm just going to say it, we just don't seem to place the value on getting our children into those services into a place that they're going to be challenged by being around other young people and by a youth pastor that is preaching directly to them listen parents I don't know what it's like with your child but I can tell you with my little 12 year old daughter I need all the help I can get she's as precious as they come I told her mama yesterday, I said, she's about as sweet as there is. Only time I ever see a mean streak out of her is, is her and her brother. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, the devil is doing all he can to destroy our children, to destroy our teenagers. That's why parents listen to me. I know. Pastor's boring on Wednesday nights. I get it. Come and endure me and bring your kids so they can get in there and be a part of these youth services because they need to be in there with other young people. They need to be in there where they can experience a move of God for them. They need it. And they're preaching the truth in there to them. Had a young man call him after service not too many weeks ago asking one of the hardest questions a youth pastor would ever get. They sat in their vehicle till almost midnight trying to love on that young fella and share the love of God with him through the truth of God's word. It wasn't easy for him to say it, but they did, and it broke their hearts. We need a revival, and I'm going to tell you where to start in these young folks. These young men, these young ladies, you hear me? These young ladies, that back row back there, bunch of fifth, sixth, and eighth graders sitting there.
Come here, you four. Come here. Come on. Put your shoes on. Come on. Let's sit down right there. Would y'all give these four beautiful young ladies a great big hand? We're fixing to close. Can I tell you what you may not know about them? Is I've been able to pray with all of them around the altar. And even at their young age, they have stood with hands raised, tears streaming down their face. All four of them love the Lord. All four of them want God to be real inside of them. Listen, this isn't tomorrow's church. This is today's church. Do you hear me? This is today's church. Young men and young ladies just like this that are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. We need a last day outpouring that the power of God will fall on us. Even, even if we're in the eighth and ninth grade, that the anointing of God's power and presence will rain down upon our young people. Just like Jackson sitting right here. That the presence of the Lord will fill their hearts up to overflow. And are you hearing me? We need a last day outpouring because our young people are in, they're in the battle of their lives. They're seeing it all play out in front of them. And if they're going to make it, they've got to have a move of God. Let it start with us. Come on, stand with me. i got to stop. I'm sorry. I'm way past time. Oh. I want you to reach over and lay your hand on somebody beside you. Lay your hand or take somebody's hand. Do something. But I want us to pray for revival this morning. I want, I want you to look at me real quick. Real quick. Let's do this. Will you open that for me? How many of you don't have a problem saying when you're thirsty? I'm thirsty. Why is it that folks won't say they're dry when they're dry, when they're empty, when they're stale? See, right now in this moment, I want to ask you to just get real with yourself for these next few moments before we close this service out. And I want you, if you're dry on the inside, please confess that to the Lord. If you need revival, please tell him that. If you're empty, please tell him that. And tell him, Lord, I need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in my life. Is anybody thirsty? Anybody? things I've ever seen in my life. Anybody thirsty? Because there's more where that came from. Adam, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? I don't have any more to throw to you, but I just want you to get stirred up for just a moment. And if you're thirsty, ask the Lord to fill you up right now. Ask him right now to flood your soul because we need a last day outpouring. We've got to have a move of God. Now lay your hands on those that are around you 
And let's pray for each other as they begin to sing this song. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray for our brothers. We pray for our sisters. God, we ask you to open heaven over us. We ask you for an outpouring of your spirit. We ask you, Lord, to let us not just exist in dryness and in staleness and lukewarmness. Because, Lord, we know the hour that we're in, it calls for a church filled with your power, filled with the anointing, filled with your love, filled with your presence. God, filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost. And, God, we ask you today to stir us up. We remember the mightiest moves of God we've ever experienced. And, Lord, we know you're not done. We know that doesn't have to be a memory of the past that you desire to do even greater. We ask you to stir us up, Lord. Revive us, oh God. Restore our faith, oh Lord. Let today be a day of reckoning in our spirits that when we're dry, we declare it, we're so dry. We're thirsty. Lord, that we declare it, we're empty. We declare it, we're stagnant. We declare it, we're lukewarm. Let us see our own condition and cry out unto you. And as we do, Almighty God, we pray for a moving, we pray for a stirring, we pray for a shaking in our spirits. God, as we lift our eyes unto you, as we lift our hearts unto you in faith, would you pour out your spirit upon us today? You said, ask and it shall be given. Knock and it shall be opened. Or seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Lord, we ask. We seek, we knock today. You said to turn unto you with all of our heart, with weeping, with fasting, with mourning. Rend our hearts and not our garments, Lord. We turn to you today. You said for us to sow in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up our fallow ground for it's time to seek you. Till you come and rain righteousness, Lord. We break up our fallow ground right now.